Next Wave Global Trade from EY. Hello and welcome to the podcast series from EY Global Services. I'm Justine Green and with global trade experiencing such uncertain times, we continue to look at how organisations can respond to survive and grow. Our focus this time is on resilient trade strategies to respond to increasingly complex environments. Joining us from England are Jeff Mackey, Group Corporate Affairs and Sustainability Director at BASF. Hello, Jeff. Hi, thanks very much for having me. You're welcome. We're pleased to have you. And Sally Jones, UK Trade Strategy and Brexit Leader at EY. Hello, Sally. Hello, Justine. Now, Jeff, supply chain issues, regulation and Brexit, to name but a few, have brought huge uncertainty. In the network that you operate in, how well equipped are trade functions in organisations to respond at the moment? Oh, what a question to start with, Justine. I I think the reality, and obviously I can only speak knowledgeably about my own organisation, BASF in the UK, but looking at across the vista, customers, colleagues, even our trade associations, the range of challenges that have appeared linked to supply chains, friction, diverging legislation, as you say, huge uncertainty. And the question of trade function, I think for most of us, it's effectively given us a smack in the face because thanks to Brexit, we simply weren't as ready as we should have been. Sally, how much are organisations recognising the need to have a well-thought-out strategy for international trade? It's a really interesting question. And we asked that of 400 businesses recently, And really, the the catalyst for us asking that question in the first place was Brexit, having seen so many different businesses encounter so many different issues and hurdles to which they had to clear. And interestingly, 93% of the firms that we surveyed said that they have an international trade strategy, which means that the 7% that don't are really behind the curve. And 80% said they feel they would be at a competitive disadvantage if they didn't have an international trade strategy, that it's rocketed up their board's agenda and that the C-suite have firmly got trade within their sites. However, when we scratched the surface a little bit to inquire about what their international trade strategy actually looked like, then it was less robust than those original answers had suggested. Very often, what they called an international trade strategy is little more than a plan to expand overseas and to keep on top of the operational trading matters that they're already doing very well, like uh, regulatory or customs compliance. But when it comes to strategic matters, those are often a little bit lacking. Jeff, in which specific areas are business coming up short in their ability to react to trade issues? Again, for us in the UK, it really was a reality check to go through the Brexit process. I mean, we'd been working for probably around three years, properly with our customers, with our value chains, to try and prepare ourselves for what was coming. The reality of the perspective, our capacity, even our expertise levels, I have to say we were just a tad naive. Sally, would you agree? Yes, I I always agree with Jeff, but I particularly agree with him on this. Brexit was a really, really hard, hard set of facts and circumstances for businesses to deal with. There was no one thing in isolation that business couldn't cope with. But there were thousands upon thousands of those changes all coming down the line at the same time. And it was the sheer scale 
and scope of Brexit that was the real the real problem. Without but, a transition, so without let's be a, honest. Without a transition, Jeff's referring to the fact that the deal was announced on Christmas Eve and then went live on New Year's Eve. So that was six days, three working days over the Christmas period for business to react to what was in that free trade agreement. And it just it just wasn't enough. But I don't think it's okay to just focus on Brexit because Brexit is just one of any number of issues that are coming down the road at businesses globally that they need to adjust to and and that they're telling us they're concerned about but that they don't have the capabilities to deal with. We've got digital and technological innovation and data privacy, intellectual property reform, trade remedies. And that's a particular concern for UK businesses because we've not really had our own trade remedies authority or regime in the past. And now all of a sudden we do. But interestingly, one of the areas where business felt that they were least capable was, don't laugh, Jeff, um, government affairs and engaging with governments. 56% of businesses that we, we spoke to said that they didn't feel confident that they had the skills and capabilities to deal with such a critical part of any trade strategy. Well, it, it's an interesting point, though, because, of course, if I may be so blunt, is it for business to engage with government or for government to engage with business would be one of my starting swipes on that. And I mean, your list that you mentioned earlier about what's coming down the track at the moment I would throw in three others, if I may. Digital changes, digitization, the future of work and the workplace, and net zero. Oh, sustainability. Yes, I can't believe I forgot that. You're absolutely right. Every single business we spoke to cited... Managing our carbon, managing our footprints. Yes. And there's a very strong desire for business to actually build back better and greener. I know it sounds like a really trite phrase, and it is a really trite phrase, but it's really meant by business they want to do that but they don't always know how but also going back to your point about linking with the government the government can't do it for business and therefore when people say they're not engaged with government i would always turn it around and say government really should be listening more the answer is they can't do it without us it's an interesting question of whether we can do it without them My mother always said you have one mouth and two ears and use them in that ratio. (laughs) Quite right. Okay. well, coming next, we'll look at Brexit's impact on trade strategies in Europe and globally. The UK's future relationship with the rest of Europe began on the 1st of January this year. Jeff, BASF is a multinational chemicals operation based in Germany. In terms of where we're heading now, what's the impact of Brexit on your sector's trading capabilities? I think the reality is that although Brexit happened at the start of the year, the impact of it is going to run for years. And as the minutiae of the detail of the in-depth pieces that we're going to have to react to, I mean, recently we've seen all sorts of announcements from the UK government as they continue to move the legislation and the marketplaces we work in. I mean, I'm never going to speak on behalf of my German colleagues, but the reality of the complexity of the border crossings and the material crossings that works with us is enormous. Therefore, the answer of the impact is it's ongoing and time will tell just how large or small the impact is and how we've dealt with it. Sally, how do UK companies compare to the rest of the world when it comes to having effective international trade strategies? The quick answer is that UK businesses are a bit behind their international competitors, but not far behind. 
And the reason for that, I think, is because they didn't have to have international trade strategies, at least not UK-based ones, for 40 or so years while the UK was within the European Union. Trade strategy was set at Brussels level and London and British headquartered businesses were largely content to allow trade to flow around them rather than trying to influence its course. And they were reasonably successful with that uh, plan of action. Then Brexit happened. I think Jeff has very eloquently explained just what a pain it was for British businesses to navigate Brexit. But one of the silver linings that's come out of all of that pain is that British businesses have had a once in a generation opportunity to review all of their business operations, really dig down into the bowels of their organisation and find out exactly how all of the working parts fit together and as a result are in a better position than I think many of us thought that they would be in six or seven months post-Brexit. It's also noticeable that all of that Brexit hard work really paid dividends in how British businesses were able to respond to the challenges of COVID, particularly around supply chain, where British supply chains were found to be much more robust than I think they would have been before all the Brexit preparations took hold. I'm not going to uh, disagree with Sally, but I'd like to add to that question about robustness, because actually, for those of us who work in industry and business, we haven't done this before in the UK. You know, this is the first time that we've been involved at this level to drive those type of trade strategies. And this is the real conversation about looking forward and seizing those opportunities. Jeff, looking ahead, how will the UK's new agreement with the EU affect trade globally? I'll start by saying at the moment, we are still being affected by it because it's still being worked through. If I take some of the legislation in our industry, the implementation of UK REACH, we're already looking at 2027 and 2028 to fully understand the impact on our business. And actually, when you throw in some of the other conversations linked to Australia or India, we have a moving of the plates in all sorts of ways. And that is something strategically we're going to have to work very hard to get our heads round. Sally, what opportunities should UK businesses be looking at to harness new trade agreements? The EU is always going to be a critical trading partner for the UK. I think that's fairly common ground. There's a concept in trade called the gravity model. The name that we trade geeks called the fact that it's fundamentally easier to trade goods and services with countries that are physically proximate to you than it is for countries that are further away. But the world is changing and we can see that from forecasts from organisations like The Economist, which have looked at which geographies will be of critical importance to the global economy in 2050 or 2040 or even 2030. And you see that the countries which have got very quickly growing populations or very quickly growing working age populations are going to rocket up those global league tables. So countries like Indonesia, Malaysia, Egypt, Mexico, Nigeria, Kenya, those countries are going to become increasingly important as the years unfold. And if the UK can position itself as the hub of business from Europe into the Asia-Pacific region, for example, in much the way that it did with Japanese businesses in the 1980s. And I think there are genuine opportunities there for the UK to seize. 
All right, well, in our final part next, what should organisations do to develop a better trade function? Next Wave Global Trade. We've spoken on previous podcasts about customs and compliance. Jeff, should trade teams focus beyond this or directed more to other areas? I'd love to think there was one answer to your question. I really would. (laughs) Sally's already talked about one of the starting points, which is business strategy. What's the plan? Now, if you go back a couple of years, many of us were sitting there with our plans, with our strategies in place. We were being very, very clear. But what we can't get away from is black swans. So if you take the last 18 months in the UK, and I use the word COVID, that completely moved us off track about where some of our businesses were. I mean, we're absolutely customer focused in what we do. And the question of how that links through to the market opportunities, and that's before we get into things like supply chain logistics and compliance. I mean, there is certainly not one answer. And I suppose my comment would be, From our side of things, our plans moving forward, we have about 10 areas of focus. We set them all going parallel and then we sit down and thrash stuff out on a regular basis. Sally, do trade functions need more talent and expertise in their teams? Oh, yes. Yes, they absolutely do. We can see from our clients, from ANIC data, from our survey results, that trade people are in really short supply at the minute. And that's not just in the UK, that's globally. And the reason that talent is in such short supply is that trade is becoming ever more complicated and fragmented. And we're in a world where trade barriers are currently on the rise rather than being dismantled. And that needs expertise to help companies manage that. About half of businesses that we speak to say that they're actively trying to recruit trade people. But equally, those same businesses tell us it's really, really hard because there just aren't people in the market. When we speak to them, they tell us that nobody at all is finding it easy to recruit the talent that they want. 11% are finding it really difficult. 48% are finding it difficult. A third think it's broadly neutral. But I mean, that's not great stats in terms of how you build the capability that you need, which means that businesses are going to have to look inwards and train up their existing talent rather than look to be able to recruit from the external market. Finally, one for both of you. What practical next steps should organisations take to formulate a plan for a robust trade strategy and trade function to capitalise on in the future? Jeff? Business management is exactly that. It's, It's a moving target. We bring value in what we do by actually having a clear strategy, understanding what the opportunities are, planning, checking, replanning on a regular basis. And the question of having a robust trade strategy for many of us is still a matter of understanding what the VISTA looks like, because certainly for us in the UK, this is still a moving target. Things are still moving underneath our feet. I'm never going to be anything but optimistic, but actually we're going to find it rocky from time to time. And the answer is be positive and take the opportunities. And Sally, your thoughts? I think the most important thing is for businesses to build a robust trade function. 
and I, when I say trade function, I actually mean a group of people who come together regularly and have common reporting lines. One of the things we found was that oftentimes trade people are dotted throughout a business. Their reporting lines are entirely fragmented, which means that nobody has one holistic overview of their activities and their challenges and their opportunities. So bring them all into one function, virtual or literal, and give them common reporting lines so that you do have somebody at the top of the organisation who knows what's going on would probably be my first thought on that. Just to give you a sense of it, EY has put its money where its mouth is and have created a chief trade officer for EY in the UK, doing exactly that, pulling together the various parts of our business under one reporting line to understand better all of the challenges. If I were allowed to pick a second, I would talk about the key performance indicators that that trade function should have. We reckon that there are nine key KPIs that every trade function should have and should be held honest against, but people aren't. At most, people have got four or perhaps five of them in their um, annual appraisals. So making sure that you're measuring the right behaviours from your trade function and holding them account against those behaviours would be my number two top tip. Okay, well, it's been a fascinating conversation. Thank you both very much for your insight on this topic. Jeff, thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. And Sally, thank you. Likewise. It's been great fun. That's it for now. But just a reminder, you can subscribe and listen to more episodes in this series. From me, Justine Green, Jeff Mackey and Sally Jones, thanks for listening and goodbye. Next Wave Global Trade.